Luke chapter 4 and the verse 18. I consider with you the Spirit of the Lord today. And that's the expression that the Savior uses here. He's in the synagogue of Nazareth. Only Luke records this event where the Lord found this portion in Isaiah. He read from it and then he began to expound it. He commenced at that verse where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Upon me. The scene Luke only records it, we have to ask, why? And the answer is, he has a special interest in the Holy Spirit. And it's not only in his Gospel, it's especially in the Acts of the Apostles. We could say that Luke is the theologian of the Holy Spirit. That comes out here in this event here where he's explaining the ministry of Jesus in the words of Jesus, as Jesus expounds Isaiah in the synagogue in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Upon me. And that's what Luke is interested in, the Spirit of the Lord being upon. First of all, Christ. That's the explanation of Christ's ministry. That's the explanation of the miracles That's the explanation of the unique life and ministry of this man, the Son of God incarnate. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke is noting that. And I suggest it's a key verse in actual fact in the Gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the verse then that you ought to circle to explain the Gospel itself. And in this early chapters, you'll, you'll see time and time again Luke referring to the Spirit. You have the baptism there in chapter 3. And in verse 22 it says, The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. There is this upon him again, upon me. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and a voice from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. There are three persons here. There's the Spirit of the Lord coming down in the symbol form of a dove, abiding on Christ, the Holy Spirit. Then there's Christ himself, the person of the Son of God, upon whom the Spirit of God comes. And then the voice from the excellent glory, the voice of the Father, saying, this is my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So we have all three persons here at the commencement of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't commence that ministry without the Holy Ghost upon him. How could he? He's Messiah. And what is Messiah? He's the Anointed One. He couldn't possibly be Messiah. And he couldn't possibly be our Savior without the Holy Spirit upon him in a very unique and special way. Our Christ. And so we have that scene where the three persons are at the baptism. This is another thing about Luke. We see most clearly that the Spirit of God is a person. Not just a power. Not just a force. Not just a name for the power of the Father. But a divine person. The third person as Christ is the second person. And the Father the first person. There are three persons And the Holy Spirit is a person. And the Lord Jesus read in the synagogue, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because 
He has anointed me to preach. He, he's done it, you see. He has enabled me. He, the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Do you see again how Luke's bringing it out? He's a man full of the Holy Ghost. And he's being led by the Spirit. Here is Christ, full of the Spirit, the Spirit upon him. And he's being led to his temptation. He's being led into the difficult place. That's where the Spirit is leading him. The Spirit may lead us into a difficult place. It may not always be onto the mountaintop of blessing for reviving. He may lead us into the difficult place because we learn things in the difficult place, perhaps more so than we do on the mountaintops of blessing. And then in verse 14, you have it again. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went the fame of him through all the region round about. So this reading in, in the synagogue in Nazareth, this isn't the start of his ministry. He's been already preaching around the cities of Galilee. But he comes to Nazareth and Luke records it because it's there that he explains his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Upon me. And he couldn't be our Savior, our Christ, unless that was true. And his whole life shows that it is true. So Luke is showing us a Christ the Spirit is upon, a Christ the Savior who is led by him totally and completely. But as I said, Luke doesn't only write the gospel, he also has a great interest in the church in the Acts of the Apostles. And you see this being brought out there as well. This theologian of the Holy Spirit, he writes a whole book, and some people have even called it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. He's telling us all that the Holy Spirit does in the Acts of the Apostles. And so anybody who's going to study the Holy Spirit cannot bypass the Gospel of Luke and certainly can't bypass his acts of the apostles. The beloved physician was himself filled with the Holy Spirit. You can read his writings and you know he's a gentle writer. He has the gentleness of the Holy Ghost. He knows the Holy Spirit in his own life. And he's able to write about it in Christ's life and in the church's life. He's the one who tells us about the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who tells us about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. And he is the one who tells us about the pouring out of the Spirit. And he's the one who shows us the presence of the Spirit in the church of Jesus Christ. You have it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What do we read there? We read, Ye shall receive power. These are the words of Jesus as recorded by Luke. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you see now what the Savior is saying? In the Nazareth synagogue, he's saying, he's upon me. He has to come upon you, the church. You're to tarry in Jerusalem till he comes upon you. 
And that's what Luke is telling us. And then Pentecost comes and the Spirit comes upon the church now. Upon the head, first of all, that's essential. No coming upon the body without coming upon the head. He's anointed above all his fellows. But when he is anointed, it flows down to his body. And it comes upon the body as well. And the whole explanation of the church in the Acts of the Apostles is the Holy Spirit upon it. A church that has the Holy Spirit upon it. Just as the explanation of Christ in the Gospel is a man, Christ Messiah, who has the Holy Spirit upon him. So Luke is telling us we need the Holy Spirit upon us. Upon me, Luke's Gospel. Upon you, the church, the Acts of the Apostles. You can circle those two expressions, upon me, upon you, at the start of those, those writings. So he's always bringing this out, the Spirit in Christ's life. He wants us to worship the Holy Spirit. He wants us never to forget the Holy Spirit. Now Luke is Christ-centered. Don't get me wrong. He's clearly Christ-centered, as Matthew and Mark and John are. But he's never so Christ-centered as to leave out the Holy Spirit, as to push him into the background. No, he's always telling us, Messiah has the Spirit. They are inseparable. Christ and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. The body of Christ, the church and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. They're inseparable. So we can never forget the Holy Spirit congregation. He's inseparable from us. If we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're none of His. But because you belong to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit too in your life and in the witness of our congregation in these days and in all Christian congregations where Christ is believed in and loved. Luke is, is reminding us of that. And as I said, to Luke, the Holy Spirit is, is a divine person, the third person in the Trinity. And if you want to get a deeper understanding of how the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ work together for our salvation, you, you have to keep these things in mind when you read the Gospels. And you also come to see that it is only the Holy Spirit who gives to men the knowledge of Christ. What would we know without the Holy Spirit? We wouldn't even believe in Christ. We wouldn't even see that he's the Savior and the Son of God if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. So we, we must never forget the Holy Spirit, people of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and works in us. And we have to daily say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I'm re reminding you today, I mean, it's just one sermon. I'm, I know I'm trying to do a lot here in one sermon. But I'm, I'm reminding you today that Luke is firmly persuaded of the Holy Spirit and he loves the Holy Spirit and we also ourselves have to love him and have to depend on him and we have to know about him in relationship to our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So a couple of verses then in the early chapters of Luke just to show you the emphasis upon the Spirit of the Lord. The first time that we meet a reference to the Holy Spirit is in chapter 1. And it's in the temple. You remember Zacharias? 
He's in the temple. He's an old man. He's carrying out a priestly function there. And an angel appears. And he speaks to to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. And you have it there in verse 15. Concerning the child that Zacharias is going to have. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Even from his mother's womb. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. So here's a reference in the temple of God by the mouth of an angel, Gabriel. And the Gabriel is telling about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit of God. We can say about, the, about Gabriel, he says he's the angel of God's presence. He knows God. He knows that God is a God of glory and a God of power. And he knows God's message because he's left God to come to Zacharias to give him a message. And in that message he talks about the Holy Spirit. This is very important. This is an angel in the divine presence who knows God can come down to talk about the Spirit of God. So it's a revelation from heaven. He is a swift messenger. He comes to an old man, as we know. His wife is elderly too. They don't have any children. But he's going to have a son who's going to have a very special ministry. And that ministry is only special because of his relationship to Christ. So John the Baptist is not a special person in himself. He's a special person because of his mission for Christ. To go before Christ, to prepare the way of Christ, And John the Baptist can't do that on his own. He needs someone in his life. The Holy Ghost will be mighty in his life, even as being formed as a baby in the womb. Can the Holy Spirit do that? Yes. Because you know you're not formed in the womb without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. Makes all your bones and sinews and puts them all together and can even begin to work in your soul. In your mother's womb, that's, that's how early he begins. Which is why parents should be godly even before the baby is born. Because baby senses the holy things and senses the Spirit of God in these things. And so John the Baptist, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to be fully equipped. The only one who's going to equip him is the Holy Ghost. And that's for Christ's sake alone. And that's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, whatever he does in us, whatever he does to us, is all about Christ. It's for Christ. It's either that we may know Christ, or that we may glorify Christ, or further Christ's cause, or that we may be like Christ. But the Holy Spirit never does a thing. But he does it in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why John has the Spirit in his life, because of Christ. And being full of the Holy Ghost means the Spirit is going to control this man's life. You you know why we can't control our lives the way we ought? It's because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit the way we ought to be. The more we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we'll be controlled by the Lord. The more we'll bring glory to God, the more we'll be like Jesus. So it's the Holy Spirit that does this. Right in the temple in the early days of the gospel coming, this is revealed to an old man called Zacharias.
And that's why John was the man that he was. He must increase. I must decrease. It was the Spirit of the Lord taught him that. He exalted Christ. Because he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't care about his own importance. He didn't promote himself. He went out into the wilderness. The Lord can bring them if he chooses. But I'm God's man and he has to do the work. But I'm going to exalt Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord did in his life mightily work. So he brought glory to Christ because he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. Now the next time we hear of the Holy Spirit is six months later in Nazareth. And it's the same angel Gabriel. And he's coming to Mary. Now Mary is the mother of Jesus. And she's a virgin. And the angel appears to make known to her. This is in chapter 1 verse 31. Behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb. And bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. She's to bear the Christ child. This is all revealed to her by Gabriel. Now the way that the angel Gabriel has framed it. He has framed it in such a way as it's about to take place now. If you accept it. If you have faith. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Whenever you read the whole context, it's being intimated, it's going to happen almost instantly. And Mary's surprised, of course. She is engaged to Joseph, but the marriage day is a wee bit off. In fact, quite a bit off. She has no intention of getting married so soon. And she's engaged. And there is the, the speculation that Joseph is old. Maybe there's not even certain that there, there could be children. So she's a wee bit confused about this thing. And she says, how shall this be? Saying, I don't know a man. I don't know a man. There's no man in my life. There's no man that I could see that this could happen so soon as you say. And the angel says, the Holy Ghost. There he is again. This blessed person that Luke loves so much and teaches us so much concerning. This is how it will happen, Mary. You'll be overshadowed by him who overshadowed the creation like a bird, bringing life to the creation. And he will overshadow your womb. And that power of that Holy Spirit that holy thing that will be conceived in thee shall be called the Son of God. So it's the Holy Spirit who is to do it. That's how. A virgin birth. Why? Because of the coming upon by the Holy Spirit. The annunciation and the power of the Holy Spirit accompanying the Word and conception taking place by divine miracle in that womb, on the substance of that womb alone, without any substance from a man, so that the Son of God is virgin born. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is the one who does this. 
An angel can't do this. Gabriel didn't do it. He just brought the word. He can't do it. He's not God. He's not a divine person. As powerful as Gabriel is, and you wouldn't want to challenge Gabriel, and you wouldn't want to be at the other end of his mate, but as powerful as he is, he can't conceive a humanity in a womb. The Holy Spirit. That's the power of God. That's the power of the third person. That's the one who makes God's people holy. That's the one who converts the human heart and opens the blinded minds of sinners. Not not all your preaching and all your evangelism. No, it's only the mighty power of the Holy Spirit accompanying it. That does it. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He'll overshadow you. So this is what Luke is telling us about. This is what Luke wants us to know. So the formation of the humanity of Christ is a great mystery. It can't be explained. The mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. But this is certain. It didn't happen without the Holy Spirit working mightily by his power in the womb of a virgin. Only God could do that. Now, Mary was a unique vessel. She was blessed among women. And we can't take that away from her. And she's special. But even though she's special, the power is not hers. It's not her power to create. It's not her power to save sinners. It's not her power to give Christ his humanity. It's of her substance. And she's a special vessel. But it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that does it. Mary doesn't have divine power. There's no point praying to Mary. You have to pray to him who alone gives the Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist, he's the one who says, I baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He's the one that does that. So this is, this is what Luke is telling us. This, this divine person in Christ's life. Now the third reference to the Holy Spirit is is a little later after that whenever Luke tells us about the visit of Mary now newly expecting with Jesus she comes to visit Elizabeth who is around about over six months now with John and Mary arrives and she gives this surprise visit to Elizabeth and gives her a surprise greeting we're not going to look at all the context of it Whenever she knocks on the door and goes in and Elizabeth realizes it's Mary, something happens. The Holy Spirit comes into the house. There's something different accompanying Mary. Mary is overshadowed with someone very special. There's someone not only working in Mary's womb, but there's someone protecting Mary, sheltering Mary. And wherever Mary goes, this person comes too. It's the Holy Spirit. And we read in verse 41, Luke gives this testimony that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Why why did he leap? Because he he felt the Holy Spirit's power. Only six months in the womb. How tiny is he at six months? You know the abort babies at that age? Here's a little development in the womb. And he's jumping, he's skipping because he he senses the joy 
of the presence of God in the Holy Spirit. That's how real the Holy Spirit is. Luke only is the only one who tells us all about these things. He searched it all out himself. He went and done all the interviews for these things. Especially Mary. I believe he got Mary's testimony as much as he could. And he started to include it in his gospel. And there's no story about, about it all without the Holy Spirit. Luke, Luke knows that. So he's writing it down and telling us. And so the little baby leaped. And Elizabeth. Not John, mind you. Yes, he's filled from the womb too. We know that. But Elizabeth also is filled with the Holy Ghost. Can the Holy Spirit fill women? Of course he can. Here it is in the Bible. The Elizabeth, an old woman, a very old woman. It's a miracle even that she has a baby in her womb, but she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She opens her mouth. She spake with a loud voice. I'm sure she was a quiet woman. I don't think these women were forward and, you know, loud and noisy and, you know, up, up there in the center. No, but when the Holy Spirit fills you and you have something to say, she opened her mouth and with a loud voice said it too. Because that was predicted. When the Holy Spirit is coming, when Christ comes in the days of Christ, your, even your women will prophesy. And here's it all beginning. And so Elizabeth she, she gives this story. You're blessed among women, Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, how did Elizabeth know all of this? How did she know that her Lord, her God, was in Mary's womb? My Lord, you're the mother of my Lord, and you've come to me. How has she this knowledge? How has she this conviction and assurance and faith? Because she's filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're, you're not running around doubts and half unbelief. And You know, you have conviction. You have faith. Uh, and she has faith. The mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the voice of thy salutation, as soon as I heard you speaking, Mary, in my ears the baby leaped in my womb. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. She's able to speak to Mary the word of God. Because she's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord will keep his word to you, Mary. You'll bear a son. He'll be the highest. He'll be the Christ. It'll all be fulfilled. It'll all be true. You'll see. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. You preach with authority. You, you speak with power. You have boldness in the word. You deliver God's word. So the Holy Spirit is, is here and giving her that utterance and that power. And it's not for Elizabeth's sake. It's not, it's not to make Elizabeth elegant. It's not to make Elizabeth a great poet to be able to produce this great hymn. Get a name for herself. No, that's not what it's about. It's about Christ. It's about that little babe in the womb, the Lord coming amongst us. The Spirit of God is only interested in, me, in Elizabeth and Mary and John the Baptist because of Christ. And any blessings he brings to them, he brings to them for Christ. And he's making them like Christ in all of this. That's what the Holy Spirit is in our life. He's not to make us great poets and eloquent, you know, get us to the top of the church and we'd be famous and we'd get a name for ourselves and be looked upon. That's a great preacher. No, no, that's not what it's about. 
about loving Jesus. It's about being like Christ. It's about exalting him so that the people love him and see him. and They forget the vessel. Christ. Taken up with him. So it's the Spirit of the Lord who, who does this. Whenever the comforters come, the Lord Jesus says, I send them to you. He'll testify of me. He's always going to be telling you about me. He'll glorify me, he says. That's what he does. That's his, that's his ministry. He doesn't come for anything else. Everything is Christ-centered. Not just to empower you. Oh, you'll do miracles and you get a great name for yourself and people will come for healing and they'll think that's a great church because people are healed in that church. That's not what it's about. It's, it's exalting Christ. He glorify me. No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Well, people say it all the time. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Don't do the things that, you do, say, that I say. And at the great judgment say, people come, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these works in your name? Oh, but, but no man can truly say Lord with true faith but by the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. The church needs the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. Even Christ needed the Holy Ghost. So that's what I'm trying to get across this morning. We need to give more centrality to the Holy Spirit in the ministry of the church and in the ministry of the Word of God. Then the next reference is to a similar infilling of the Holy Spirit. You have it in chapter 1, verse 67. Zacharias, he was dumb. You know, he hadn't got faith. And so he was struck dumb in the judgment of God just to chasten him and to teach him a wee thing or two. And then John the Baptist is born. They're coming to name the child. And all of a sudden, something happens. Zacharias gets faith now. And we read in verse 67, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. Here he is again. Do you see how Luke is introducing us to early these people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, Zacharias, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Again, he's infilled to glorify Christ. Because the spirit of prophecy is about Messiah. In the Old Testament, that's what the whole Old Testament is about. It's about Christ to come. And now that's what the New Testament is all about, Christ that has come. The Redeemer's come. He's visiting his people. And Zacharias, he hardly even mentions his son. Oh, he's going to be a great man, John the Baptist. He's going to be the forerunner of Christ. But he hardly even mentions him. Because everything that his son does is in relation to Christ. And Zacharias knows this. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit to talk about this Redeemer and this Lord who's come among us. The Holy Spirit is a true person, brethren and sisters. Because only, only a person can do these things in our lives. Only a person can give us words. You know, it's not just energy flying around about energy that comes from God and somehow it gives us words. Energy doesn't give us words. It has to be a person who gives us words. Only a person can communicate. And so he's a real person, the Holy Spirit. And he gives the words. He gives the teaching, he gives the understanding, he opens the mind, he gives the utterance. It's not just energy that does that, it's, it's this person working with all his infinite intelligence, conveying it to us, the human vessel. 
So Luke is certainly telling us that the God in whose name we are baptized, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all divine persons, including especially the Holy Spirit too. And as I said, it is about the exalting of Christ. You have to try the spirits, you know, brethren and sisters, because there are other spirits too. And they're intelligent as well. And they'll tell you a thing or two as well if you want to receive it and believe it. But you have to, you have to try the spirits. You have to test the spirits. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because there are many false prophets going into the world and they're filled with all kinds of spirits. But hereby you know the Spirit of God. There's only one way to know the Spirit of God, to be sure that it's the Holy Spirit. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. That, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's message. That's the Holy Spirit's interest. This person of Christ, the Son of God, in human flesh, Come amongst men. That's the Spirit's mission. To be interested in that person and his work. And anybody that Holy Spirit works in. Is going to be a person who believes in Christ. Who, who talks about Christ. Who has assurance about Christ. Who's going to be made like Christ. That's how you know the Spirit's work. Genuine, real. So try the Spirit. Is he leading me to Christ? Is he making Jesus more vivid in my life and experience? Am I loving the Savior more? Am I being more and more being made like him as his word goes forth? And he's accompanying it so that I'm being made more and more like Christ because of the Holy Spirit. Test the spirits. And this is the test that we have to bring to the preaching of the word. Is it Christ-centered? Is it christ Exalting. Now the last reference, Luke chapter 2, again it's in the temple, it's a very special event, the Christ child has been brought in, and there's a man there, Luke chapter 2 verse 25, he's dwelling in Jerusalem, his name's called Simeon. Luke introduces us to him, none of the other gospel writers does, but you see this is a man who has the Holy Spirit in his life in in an amazing way. Luke discovered this. He wants to tell us about it. And so this old man, he was just and devout. He was just a humble believer waiting for the Savior, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was a very special person because, you see, the Holy Ghost was, there it is again, upon him. Here's a man who has the Holy Spirit upon him. That's the kind of man we have to be as believers. Men and women who the Holy Spirit is upon. Here's such a man. He's near dead. He's one foot in the grave, but the Lord can't let him die till he sees the Christ dead. But the Holy Spirit is upon him. You may be old. You may be one foot in the grave. You maybe haven't got many days left, but the Holy Spirit can be upon you as he was upon this this old man, Simeon. And whenever the Holy Spirit is upon him, what happened? Well, there were things revealed to him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, says, says Luke. He saw things. He had understanding. He had discernment. He was a man taught of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit was on his life. He knew the Old Testament Scriptures. He knew the Word. And it was revealed unto him. He wouldn't die until he saw the Christ, the Christ child. 
And here he is going through every day of his old age. And, and then one day the spirit gives him a real shaking. Come on, Simeon. Now's the time. It says here, he came by the spirit. Do you see that? Three times the Holy Spirit is referred to here. The Holy Spirit's upon him. The Holy Spirit has revealed to him. And this particular day, the Holy Spirit has brought him into the temple. Now, he went to the temple every day. This is maybe a slightly different time. The Holy Spirit has given him this further push, this further guidance. The Spirit has led him into the temple. Just whenever the parents were bringing in the child Jesus, he took him up in his arms and the Holy Spirit led him in. He was able to give this great welcome to Christ. You know you'll not give a great welcome to Christ unless the Holy Spirit works in you. You'll not receive him into your life as Lord and Savior the way you ought to unless the Holy Spirit works in you. You'll not even come to Christ unless the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you and brings you to Christ. You can't come to Christ without the Holy Spirit. You can't know anything about Christ without the Holy Spirit. You can't receive him as the Christ of God as he truly is without the Holy Spirit. That's how important the Holy Spirit is in the church. And therefore we have to pray more and more that the Spirit of the Lord may be upon us. This little assembly here. You know, we need this, we need that, we need the other. What are people highlighting in their churches? What are they setting forth as a great need? Well, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest need that we need is the Holy Spirit to be upon us. That's what we need. And Luke goes on to talk about the Savior. I think he's the one who says, how much more shall he give the Holy Spirit to them? that ask him. Not just any gifts, not just special gifts, but especially the Holy Spirit. And if you read Acts of the Apostles, that just confirms all of that. We need the Holy Spirit. So, so congregation, let us love the Holy Spirit. Let us seek his mercy. Let us obtain through Christ his grace. And may the Spirit of the Lord lead us and guide us and give us power and make us Christ-like and also even be pleased to work in sinners among us and to bring them to Christ. Whatever else we have, whatever else we don't have, we cannot be without the Spirit of the Lord.